0: pull back the layers of their fame and um, their platform and, you know, hundreds of thousands of people who are cheering them on. When you peel all that back, they're just regular guys.
1: Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to Better Stories, episode eight of season three. We are rolling right along. I've got, like, um kind of this is abstract two or three more episodes you wouldn't expect anything less you wouldn't expect me to have a real serious plan two or three more episodes this year we're going to wrap up before Christmas um, I'm, I'm pumped about today and I'll tell you more about that in just a second but the last couple episodes we're going to do this season I've got a little bit of a talk a reflection that I've been thinking on uh, and I don't really know what to call it yet I'm tossing around ideas but stay tuned in the next couple weeks something about Thanksgiving tables and tacos and heretics and it, uh, there's just a lot fermenting that we're gonna we're gonna talk about. Um, and then I'm trying desperately 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 to work out my schedule with the famous, the infamous, the one and only Kevin Redford for another round of better stories unscripted. Um, it's hard to believe that with with both of us having multiple teenagers that we can't get our schedules to sync up, but we are trying desperately to do that today today. Uh, season 3, episode 8. I am so pumped. I found this interview in our archives, uh, and and I am so excited to share this with you. This this is an interview I did a long time ago, and I feel bad. I'm going to apologize to him for not posting this yet, but this this was an interview I did with um, a, a friend of mine that, you know, we, we kind of crossed paths in college, and you know followed each other's journeys i I wouldn't say we're close friends but i would say we we know of each other and we share kind of the kingdom of god heart for ministry um this guy's always been somebody that i'm like man he's just doing way cooler things than i am doing amazing things and his, his name is kent chevalier and kent has this really incredible uh journey that he's been on the past few years kent was a pastor in the local church in the Pittsburgh region um, for 22 years. And then in 2019, he got this this invitation from Coach Mike Tomlin. Yes, the Mike Tomlin of the Pittsburgh Steelers to become an NFL chaplain. And Kent went all in on this and he went in as a part of an organization called Athletes in Action. I will link to all these things so that you can see and um, catch up and learn what Kent and his wife, Erica, are doing. But but Kent went all in as a, a, a chaplain with the Pittsburgh Steelers um, through this organization called Athletes in Action. He's originally from Pittsburgh. He graduated from my alma mater, Geneva College. We've got that in common. Uh, and then he went on to Trinity Evangelical Divinity School where he was ordained to ministry. But Kent's heart is to serve, to love, and to encourage just anybody that comes in his path and i think that plays out right now with um, the, the team the nfl team the staff the coaches of the pittsburgh steelers i'm just telling you there, there is some really cool ministry happening that we get to talk about on this episode um, but he also comes alongside businesses ministries with his wife erica uh, and, and they have three daughters. My wife and I have four daughters. Um, they have three daughters. So we've got all this kind of crazy things that overlap and, and come together. But I interviewed Kent, I, I believe it was before COVID, um, and dug this out. And I realized why I had never posted it. And, and this is just the truth. Kent's got one of the manliest voices that I've ever heard. And so because he's down in that low range, I had a really hard time getting the audio right. And so bear with the audio issues because it's well worth it to hear this interview that I do with the NFL Pittsburgh Steelers chaplain, Kent Chevalier. I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving and are enjoying this holiday season. Enjoy my interview with Kent Chevalier. Crazy, I know. We were in school at Geneva together. You were a couple years ahead of me, I believe. And so, even as yeah, I was I looking, go ahead. I you, 99. Ninety-nine. Okay, so I got there in in ninety-eight and graduated in two thousand two. And I know your your bio was saying you you served for twenty-two years as a pastor in the local church, um, which which made made me think I've been doing it for twenty years, which just seems like a long time. Um, but but Kent Chevalier served as a pastor for 22 years, and then in 2019 has stepped out to become the chaplain of the Pittsburgh Steelers, working through um, the ministry of athletes in action. Uh, and Kent and his wife Erica have three daughters, so we're in the girl dad club together. Uh, I know his daughters are all Pittsburgh Steelers fans. So Kent, we are uh, so excited to have you today, and grateful for your time, and I would love for you to just take a minute, introduce yourself, tell us about your family, um, anything that I missed. We'd love to get to know you a little bit.
0: Sure, absolutely. Justin, thank you for having me on here today, man. This is a great idea. Love that you're doing this, and I love your ministry, man. So, um, yeah, Erica and I, we met at Geneva College, and we were married two weeks after graduation, so we we didn't waste any time uh, on that. And um, when when I was a senior in college, I was also doubling up as a full-time youth pastor. Um, so yeah, 22 years, man, uh, three daughters. We have 18, 16, and 12, um, and we live in the Pittsburgh area. Uh, so yeah, man, that's, that's who we are. We love um, everything Pittsburgh, man, born and raised in this town and absolutely love it, so. Yeah, thanks for having
1: me today. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I want to jump right into how exactly you made the move from pastoral church ministry. Um, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of unpack this later. I, you and I have these kind of weird threads of connection that I think are, are fun to explore a little bit. Um, but but how did you make the move from pastoral ministry? And you were on staff with Northway Church. Is that correct? That's right.
0: Yeah, 12, 12 and some years at Northway.
1: Okay, so Northway was the church that my wife Carrie and I attended when we were in college. And then we took a job in the South Hills of Pittsburgh for several years doing, doing youth ministry. And we still just wanted to get back to Northway anytime we could. Um, pretty large church. But but how did you make that jump from pastoral ministry now to chaplain of the, of the Pittsburgh Steelers?
0: Yeah, so came to Northway in 2007 um, and eventually became the Wexford campus pastor, the the campus pastor of their original campus. Um, And and right now we're seven campuses across the Pittsburgh region. And um, it was this past uh, July. um, Well, if I back up even further, um, the tight end for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Vance McDonald, um, was a part of our church. He gets traded from the San Francisco 49ers to the Steelers. And he and his family begin attending services at Northway Wexford. Um, and he made, you know, after the service, we always make this, you know, you know, proclamation. Hey, if you're brand new today, we would love to you know, have the opportunity to meet you. And, and so I went out to what we call our Connect Center. And I noticed this very large man making a beeline for me um after the service and i had the opportunity to meet vance mcdonald uh, that day Um, he and i struck up a friendship um you know we you know did several coffees and that actually led into a formal discipleship relationship uh, between me and him and a couple of his buddies we started on a discipleship journey together and during that time is when he told me that uh, the steelers did not have a uh, chaplain at the time and I didn't really have a category for you know what a chaplain does in the NFL I, I'd heard about you know chaplains in hospitals or you know things like that but I didn't know what an NFL chaplain was um, and so as I just asked him about it and he told me about it it was it was like lighting me up inside like I don't know how to fully put it but it, ministry with athletes, young men, um, to be able to impact them for the gospel. I mean, that's, that's pretty much what I had done my entire student ministry and adult ministry, just bringing young guys around me and discipling them in the ways of God. And so when he was telling me about that, I was like, man, and and something inside, like, I don't know how to fully explain it, but like, like this spiritual response inside of me began to get lit up when he was telling me about that. He eventually then invited me to a lunch conversation with coach Tomlin. And I had the opportunity then to hear more about what it means to be an NFL chaplain through athletes in action. Um, and so when, when Erica and I heard that this position was going to be with Athletes in Action, which is a ministry of crew, Campus Crusade for Christ. Um, We knew what that meant immediately. Um, And so we, I was like, oh, we're we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to make this leap um, to become from a fully, you know, you know, every week a paycheck, you know, from the church to now fully raising our uh, entire salary and ministry budget, um, things like that. So that's how we sort of got into this. And we've been flying by the seat of our pants, man, ever since uh, this past July. Because as soon as I got offered the position, I reported the training camp like the next week. (laughs) Um, So this has been a whirlwind of a ride for me. And I'm absolutely loving it, but uh, holding on. Um, for dear life, so to speak.
1: Absolutely. So what's, what has been probably the most challenging piece of this, maybe the coolest part of this?
0: So um, I, think, I think the most challenging for Erica and me um, has been the leap uh, to become full-time missionaries. Um, you know, Northway, our home church, we're still there. Um, we have become full-time missionaries, you know, commissioned by Northway. Through athletes in action and so what what that means for us is that we're we're raising our support you know just like any other missionary does um and so that's that's been the toughest challenge i think you know personally for me because of the role um i also travel with the team to away games Mm -hmm. um and i never fully put it together as a pastor of why you don't see nfl players and coaches and front office in your churches um it's because they can't, they can't get there. They work on the weekends, just like, you know, in ministry. So, you know, what, what's what been challenging for me now this past season is not being with my church family. Hmm. So, um, you know, I don't get to gather with them on a typical weekend service. Um, so I'm having to figure out how to do community and relationships in a, in a very different way now. Um, Erica does not travel with the team because she's, She's the chaplain to all the ladies of the organization. I'm the chaplain to all the guys, but I I'm the only one who travels with the team uh, to be there for away chapels and, and um, you know, just hanging with guys at the team hotel. Um, But not being there for, for church services, you know, my whole life I have been on a platform. I have been with the church community uh, every weekend. And um, I, I no longer during the season get to have that church family gathering um, because I'm doing that with a small group of guys um, who are in the chapels with me on the weekends.
1: So yeah, that
0: makes sense. Yeah, yeah absolutely.
1: So so Sundays are quite different now. I would imagine <laughs> yeah. as as well as the rest of the week. How how cool. are your um, I know your, your girl dad as well. How are your girls doing with this jump, with this shift? how, how what's that look like in your family?
0: Well, what's, what's been amazing, man, um, so this has turned Erica and my life upside down. Um, we're in a completely new role, completely different platform. Um, but for my daughters, nothing has really changed. Because if you think about it, like, they still have, you know, we didn't have to move because we've lived in Pittsburgh, right? So we're here. They go to the same school, all their friends, same church, same student ministry. Um, like even my travel, because I obviously didn't travel before, but the way that the Steelers travel, um, it literally, because we used to at Northway Wexford have Saturday night service and then um, two Sunday services, so 5 p.m. and then 9, 15, and 11. So my schedule basically mirrors the same exact schedule that I had as a pastor of Northway Wexford, um, because by the time that you know, we fly out uh, on the team plane, um, call it, we you know, leave two o'clock in the afternoon, I'm back by the next you know, Sunday night. So leave Saturday, fly back Sunday night. So not much has changed for, for my girls, which I'm extremely grateful for.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I so I would imagine that um, there's a certain level of w- when you tell folks that you're an NFL chaplain, it's there's there's some glamour that comes with that title, but I would imagine the load of caring and for and shepherding these young guys in ministry is often pretty heavy. I, I would imagine there's a there's an intensity to that that you're you're learning or carrying for them as well. Is that is that fair to say?
0: Absolutely. You know, I think, I think people, when, when they find out now that um, I'm an NFL chaplain, um, people yeah. always just try to get the inside scoop, like I actually have it or something. And that's like, I have zero inside information.
1: <laughs> Tell us about uh, so-and-so. What's the, what is he really like? <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah. Like, um, and I'm like, I, I read the articles just like you do. Um, and I've, I've learned to maybe not pay attention to that stuff uh, as much. Um, but caring, caring for these, um, you know, NFL families, cause that's the way that we see it, man. We're not just, you know, we feel like we're pastors of the organization. Uh, we're not just here, you know, to, to shepherd these players, you know, it's, it's the coaches, it's the, f- you know, families of these NFL players, um, of the entire organization. At least, at least that's how we, how we view it. Um, and so... You know to take it back to what I've always done as a pastor of a local church we now see the Steelers um, and as as essentially our local church hmm. we love them we, we were for them uh, we we're here to serve them um, it's really important that they know that we're not we're not there to get anything out of this we just simply want to love them Shepherd come alongside them in this and you know, the, when you pull back the layers of their fame and, um, their platform and, you know, f- hundreds of thousands of people who are cheering them on when you peel all that back, they're just regular guys.
1: Right.
0: They're just, they're just men and women, um, who are trying to figure out, you know, for instance, if I take, you know, one of, one of the players, this guy, um, he and his wife, expecting a little one, um, and they're just trying to figure out how they're going to be parents, yeah. right? That's that's you and me trying to figure that kind of stuff out when we first had ours. Um, so it's yes, it might be a different platform, but man, these are regular people. Um, you know, the thing in the NFL trying to you know shepherd these guys and their families through is like, okay. I might be here today and literally gone tomorrow and not know it. And so how do you disciple in such a way, come along and shepherd in such a way that, you know, make sure that when they when they get traded, when they get picked up by, let's say the Seahawks, you know, the NFL chaplain family is, is tight so that I can call their chaplain and say, hey, so-and-so is coming to you. He's a good dude here's his family, um, you know, and just make sure that they're shepherded even across the country uh, and make that handoff um, because, you know, this isn't, you know, this isn't about just making sure that all oh, the, the Steelers are okay. These are men and women and families across the NFL, across the country. And we want to all take care uh, of them regardless of what team they might be on. If yeah. that makes
1: sense. Yeah, absolutely. So, so in all this, and I think I can hear part of it, but, but in this work that you're giving yourself to, that you and Eric are are you know pouring yourself into as missionaries, what, what is it that that is consuming you? That's consuming your heart. What's the passion that you guys have? I mean, I hear the echo of family already. How does that? How does that play out? Just in terms of you guys saying, here's here are the biggest things that we want to give ourselves to. Sure,
0: um, you you can. You can read the statistics. Um, the NFL is brutal on families. Um, it's, it's just, it, it just sort of comes with the territory. You know, it's, it's somewhere between 75 and 85% of NFL marriages end in divorce. Wow. So, Erica and I, that's heavy on our heart, right? And so, I don't want to see anybody go through that. And so we, we want to be able to say like, hey, we want to just come alongside you in your marriage, in your relationship, if you're thinking about marriage. Um, so that's one that, that's huge. Um, you know, when you think about the, the NFL season, you know, a lot of these, um, the ladies, you know, the, the, the wives, the, the girlfriends, um, during the season, they're, they're very much, you know, their guys are in, in the zone. And then they they have a particular kind of job that the off season then gives them back to their ladies you know and so what does that look like as far as erica and me maybe hosting couples um you know studies that we could be able to yeah i know you're tired man but this is really good for your relationship let's all come together and hang out um and we do these couples nights um, together and i think one of the biggest things for me that i'm learning about and I don't even think it's an NFL thing, dude. Like, I just think it's a, it's a people thing when it comes to Christianity. Um, and, I, and I wrote kind of a series. I did some writing a while back. Um, and, and I just called it, like, people are buying into a false Jesus, hmm. you know, false Christianity, a false gospel, a false church. Um, and in today's culture, I believe that people are buying into soundbites bites that aren't necessarily grounded in what God himself says. So one of the things that I'm passionate about in my role that Erica and I are trying to lead and encourage people in is to dig into this God of Christianity for yourself. Before you make a judgment, before you just take your mama's word for it, before you take some professor's word for it who was jaded against God, um, man, have you ever read for yourself before you made a decision? Um, you know, and, don't, and don't just take that you know, 20 second Instagram clip as that's what Christianity is all about. So I'm on a mission, if you will, to, to get guys' noses into the scriptures for themselves, have them read it, and have good, honest, um, sometimes robust dialogue. Uh, around those issues
1: uh, that we all face, so that's awesome. That's awesome, and and, and so let me shift a little bit because I'm always curious um, how not only you know why people do what they do or why you're living this story that you're living, but how you ended up there. What was kind of the formative piece for you? Um, you know, my my wife and I we left a fairly large church and made the jump to come back home to small town West Virginia and plant a church eight years ago. Very uncertain, kind of very scary. Um, and I feel like that's that's a similar spot for you guys, kind of jumping into this world of, of missionaries and saying we're gonna go to fundraising our salary. Um, so I think my question is what, what were the relationships that, that, that have formed who you are, whether it's mentors, family members, the people that have shaped you to help you have that courage to say, this is this is the life we have to live. We have to go after this, because 20 years from now we're going to look back and wish we had if we didn't. Yeah, that's, that's so good, man. I, um,
0: You know, there, there have been several influences in my life, uh, in Erica's, um, in my marriage, and I would say that um, two really key people uh, in our marriage and in our ministry, um, a guy by the name of Dave Buring and a guy by the name of Scott Stevens. Um, you know, Scott, uh, he was the lead pastor of Northway, um, up until just, you know, this past January, 2020, when Dave D'Angelo became the lead pastor. Um, Scott led us through this entire, um, transition from Northway to Athletes in Action, Um, And then, uh, you know, to go way back um, to my time uh, with when I was a youth pastor, I met a guy by the name of Dave Buring and the things that Dave Buring said, what came out of his mouth, I had never heard someone verbalize what it is that I felt like almost it was like a philosophy of ministry that I could never fully verbalize. Hmm. This guy was saying the exact words that I, that I knew, that I practiced, but I could never put words to them. And so his, he introduced me to the concept that's almost very popular in the church today called disciple-making, hmm. um, where you invest in a few, um, you teach them and mold and shape the character, the ways, and the mission of Jesus in them, and then you fully expect them to multiply and do it again. Um, That had always been how I had practiced it, but I never knew there was a term, if you will, uh, for a philosophy of ministry. Um, And so when I met Dave in 2005, I believe, 2004, um, I took a whole bunch of students to go to his conference, but I ended up listening the most. (laughs) And then I sought him out because he's from the Franklin, Tennessee area. And obviously, I was in Pittsburgh, um, and I sought him out to, would you intentionally disciple me? Would you mentor me? Uh, Help me understand what it is that just flows out of you. Um, And now I'm, you know, I'm on his board at Lion's Share. Um, He has had such an impact on my life to teach me the character and the ways and the mission of Jesus.
1: So so then... I'm sorry to interrupt you. This is one of those threads that you probably don't even know we have in common. When I was um, probably 14 years old, right? I I was not the athlete in school. I was not the super talented athlete guy. Um, I, we had at our church they brought a missionary to Belize in who used this. This sounds crazy. It sounds like something off of YouTube, but they used mime ministry in this country. Todd. Yeah, well, it wasn't Todd. It was a guy who had been trained by Todd. And so okay. I ended up at a camp because I kind of fell in love with this whole thing. Like, un- unknown fact, won the high school talent show in my town for doing Christian mime. Like, it's that <laughs> it's that crazy. So, you, so I was, at
0: at, Alive?
1: I was at Acts Alive, sitting yeah, under okay. the leadership of of Dave Buring as he took us through the Book of Acts, and and it was this, yeah. it was very similar. Like, Dave would not know me from Adam right now, but. But it was formative in my life to hear the teaching about the church and the book of Acts at that point. I went two years in a row and just fell in love with that whole thing.
0: Well, that's that's the exact camp that I was taking students to. Okay. um, Acts Alive. And a lot of the Acts Alive workbook that you and I would have received Mm -hmm. um, to work through has become now Dave's book, A Discipleship Journey. I see. And I have walked, dude, I, I, at this point, I've I probably walked hundreds of men through hmm. that discipleship journey. Um, that was the journey that Vance McDonald and I were on okay. before all of this happened. Um, and it's just sort of a, you know, I don't believe that there's one end-all, be-all discipleship curriculum. It's not about curriculum at all, but that's how I got trained. And that's how it became comfortable for me to just have those types of conversations about, you know, how to hear the voice of God. I had never in all my life learned how to hear the voice of God. And that has become a passion point for me um, to help guys, you know, men and women, but in my particular, I just have always circled guys around me and let's, let's go on a discipleship journey together. Um, And so Dave, huge influence on my life, still yeah. is. Um, was just on a call with him yesterday. Um, he still speaks into mine and Erica's relationship and our ministry big time. And then Scott Stevens, um, dude, he's been a guy that ever since I got into student ministry uh, while I was at Geneva College, um, he's been a guy who's always taken me under his wing and he's mentored me. He has been my pastor um, and, I, and I love that guy. Uh, so much tremendous respect for his style of leadership and I've learned so much from him and and again he was the one who allowed me to even experiment to take a look at what could this look like me tiptoeing into the waters of could I become the Steelers chaplain and he cheered me on man he he allowed me to take that step out and and he's been so gracious and good uh, to Erica and me in that entire process so those were two men um, that have influenced my life uh, personally and then Erica's had you know her women that have you know molded and shaped her um, as well so
1: that's awesome yeah and it's fun to be sitting here talking with you about these guys and finding these connections that that these guys don't even know about you know like Dave just to say look at the investment they've made um, humbly. Authentically, not looking for the glory in themselves, and it's really—I hear it in you. That's the desire of of your heart, of Erica's heart, as you're pouring into these families for the Steelers. I think it's—I think it's really cool, and, it, and it's amazing. It is the disciple-making process of this multiplication that gets passed on for literally generations. Because I'm still using material from Acts where I'm going, yeah, I remember hearing this as a high schooler, and I hope it shapes in that same way. That's that's really cool. The uh, another thread that I wanted to trace for you and this is funny because you you messaged me about this before we jumped on here. I I'd, I'd gone back and made some notes. Um, and I'm hoping I'm hoping that I'm accurate in my recollection here. I'm not sure that I am.
0: I I think I know what you're going to say. Okay. But I was like I need to ask you what, what is he, <laughs> So, so we'll see if I was right.
1: When I was a freshman at Geneva, there was a worship gathering uh, that happened on campus and I remember kind of just struggling early on in the semester trying to figure out. I, I didn't know anybody besides my girlfriend. She's now my wife, right? But I remember going to this worship gathering on a Wednesday night, and I believe it was you came in dressed completely head to toe as a nerd. Wire-rimmed glasses, white tape around the glasses, plaid shirt tucked in, and gave yeah. this talk that, I, I you know, it, it, no one ever remembers the things that I talk about, and I don't remember the points, but I remember as you gave that talk, Finding a lot of truth in that, going this this idea of being the authentic self and living yeah. into this time, and so I jotted that down because I wanted to thank you. If it was yeah. you, if it wasn't you, then I'll thank somebody else. But but I, I remembered that.
0: No, yeah, that 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 definitely was me. Uh, I was a part of the Hanging In band. Um, yeah. You know, that was that whole season of my life was very formative, and and I was just tired, man. Of so, thank you for that. And I I was just. I remember that day just being tired of the show, you know, in college, you know, so many people are just trying to impress. And, um, you know, as I was starting to come into, I think who God had designed me to be and getting comfortable in my skin. Um, you know, that's when my call to ministry had really become solidified. Mm -hmm. I laid down college sports and, you know, I wasn't I wasn't that good anyway, so it was easy to do. But I laid it all down to start following Jesus very seriously. But I also knew that, man, he's created me uniquely. So why not go after that? in a way um and so yeah dude that was i thought that's what you were going to (laughs) say that's incredible i yeah i mean it's the student ministry tricks that you try to do something that people will remember yeah and
1: Um, it and it worked
0: (laughs) and and who knows what the heck i said but obviously that that idea just be yourself be be authentic
1: that's really cool that's really cool, and then I think that's probably cool. the the third connection we have I think is your wife has some cousins that live down here where we do in Buchanan, Micah and yeah. and Evan and yeah. have known and those think, guys yeah. for a long time. Micah and I graduated together, so just small world, um, okay, really man. really cool stuff. So I love it. I yeah. love to hear those connections. Yeah, it's awesome
0: kingdom so vast but it's also so deeply uh connected.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So um just kind of last couple things. One of the things that that I talk about a lot with Better Stories is kind of the vision statement that we have is we want to create this rebellion against boredom. We we want to just invite people whether they're someone who would say I'm a follower of Christ or someone who would just say I'm trying to figure life out and bring it more meaning. We want to invite them to to live more intentionally to to pursue creativity pursue purpose um just at a very broad level what does that look like in your life for you and erica for your family what how are you guys living that out
0: yeah i think um, you know i think it means that you're extremely intentional with who you're going to be so if if i'm you know as a as a guy who uh, has always been an athlete, but um, you know, obviously, cannot hang with the athletes that I am, you know, currently um, sort of surrounded by. Um, but what that means for me is, I have to lead a disciplined life to be able to make sure that I work out, that I eat correctly, that I because I I want I want the payoff for the future, mm. you know, and and sometimes I do better at that than others, but it's the I know my goal that I want to get to. So I've got to back that goal up into a disciplined lifestyle. Um, And the other thing that I I wrote down, you know, with that. So when I take that spiritually speaking, you know, it's me um, getting up um, at, you know, an early hour. Because if I do not, in my particular style, if I do not start my day off, with, with being in the scriptures, then, then I feel off kilter. Mm-hmm. So if I'm, gonna, if I'm gonna teach that and preach that and, and um, invite people into that with me, then I've gotta be able to make sure that I'm living that kind of lifestyle, um, practicing what I preach. And that, that centers me on Christ for that day because I've had conversation with him and, and I know where he's leading me for the day. And, and I, I stay in tune with him and step with him um, in that way. If I, if I were then to take that um, to like another you know, way that, I, we, that plays, plays out in our lives, I, I believe that the disciplined life, when, when you know what you want to be about and, and what your goals are, that's going to help you say no to really good things um, and, and, and yes to the God things. Uh, in your life that that only like there are things that only I can do that God is is wooing out of me. And if I'm distracted and busy with a whole bunch of even good things, I'm not going to be able to say yes to the God things. I won't have the margin in my life. Um, so Erica and I've had several conversations about, okay, what what do we need to stop doing so that we can focus on those on those God things? And, and like we're involved in a lot of really good things. But this past year when we started talking about, okay, I think God's asking us to jump out as full-time missionaries. The first thing that we went to was, okay, what are we, what are we going to lay down?
1: Hmm.
0: Um, like even some of the good stuff that she was involved in. Um, so, so for instance, one thing for me uh, was I was the vice president of the, uh, my daughter's basketball team and that's a really good thing i want to be involved in the community i want to give back but for the god thing that god was asking me i needed to lay that position down and allow somebody else to step up into that because i knew that my margin was becoming squeezed in a new role Um, so i i think that to be able to live purposeful you've got to discipline so that you can say no and yes to the better things
1: That's so good. And it's so good, so wise. And I think it's, it's so hard in a culture where we're, I mean, social media is one example, but we feel like we want to do everything. We want to have the coolest vacations and create super neat, creative content as church leaders and Mm -hmm. do this and do that. And if we don't say no to anything, we'll never be well or excellent at the things that we're called to. And it's just, it's a comparison culture. It's a, it's a busyness thing. It's Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. Kent, where can, where can people find and connect with you and Erica? Um, How can we get the word out about supporting you guys? By the way, I just, again, am am super encouraged. I love your passion and I love, I'm a long time, I got to confess, I'm a long time Raiders fan. So it's been a long, several decades. For I us. knew
0: there was something about you. <laughs> I, just, uh, I couldn't put my finger on it.
1: But I, but I am drawn to what you're doing with the Steelers and, and we'll be rooting you guys uh, on yes, this season. Yes. But how can, how can people support you all, find out, keep in the loop with what you're doing?
0: Yeah, so we, Erica and I, just, um, you know, as of, you know, during this whole COVID-19 thing, man, we've all found ourselves with a lot more time. And I have been wanting to, for a long time, create a website that tells our story talks about our ministry, um, not only with the Pittsburgh Steelers, but just larger Pittsburgh ministry and national ministry that we're a part of. Um, and so we created a website called teamchevalier.com. Um, I don't know if that's going to end up being the full name or eventual name of, of a ministry that we're working to establish, praying that uh, if that's something that God is working on. But I needed a place to point people to, so that they could learn about our ministry. And so, TeamChevalier.com uh, is the place that we've created. And um, on there are things like, man, if if um, if if churches are looking um, to hear this story of how God might have called, you know, God called us into this ministry, if we can bless the church of Pittsburgh or nationally in such a way by bringing a teaching gift uh, there there's a way that you can book you know, on there. There's, there's another way on a link there that you can partner with us. And there's four different ways that you can partner. They're on the website there. It's obviously prayer is the foundation of our ministry and we need so much prayer as we're navigating into something that really is unknown hmm. to us. Um, there's, there's ways that, man, if, you, if there's ministry partners that you could refer us to, you know, so referrals is a big deal. Um, and then, obviously, you know, financial support. You know, we're we're trying to build that monthly uh, base of people who will uh, support us financially with different projects or, um, you know, just monthly, um, you know, salary. We have to raise our whole salary, our whole ministry budget uh, to do this. And and here's why, because um, I want to make sure that everybody hears the heart behind that because I do not want to walk into that Steelers facility. And I, I want to look at them in the eye with integrity and say, I don't want to think from you. Yeah. I'm just here for you to serve you, your family. Um, because when a lot of people say here that we're raising money to be, you know, serving millionaires, yep. um, that's the heart behind it. I want them to know that we're there simply. We don't want an autograph. That's not the reason we're there. We don't want anything from you. So we need then churches, you know, businesses, uh, families to come alongside of us to be able to serve these young men and women coaches and their wives and the entire uh, front office um that way so that's the team chevalier is where people can head to to uh check us out hear our story and uh partner with us if they
1: want that's awesome well and we'll we'll link to all that in the show notes as well and put it out there when we advertise so the last thing i always do and then i'll let you go i always fire off kind of five quick questions um just to hear hear gut responses from you you good with that
0: Awesome. I, I love
1: it. All right, all right. Number one is the uh, your either your favorite Steeler of all time or your favorite Steeler moment of all time. If you got both of those, that's fine too.
0: Yeah, so this this um this will combine one of my favorite Steelers of all time with a with a like a, a moment. So two thousand five playoff run, um, Steelers are playing against the Colts. Jerome Bettis tries to squeeze through the line. The ball pops out right. And, and all of a sudden, um, the Colts defender is running back, and Ben Roethlisberger makes that shoestring That's tackle right. <laughs> to save the playoff game. And then um, from there, we make it all the way to the Super Bowl in Detroit, uh, and we win the whole thing. Bettis uh, is able to park the bus so to speak he, he made it at home And that's one of my it, it's an epic story that's awesome that i love so bettis being one of my favorite players who just ran people over um and that moment of ben roethlisberger saving the touchdown um so that bettis could get the super bowl ring
1: that's awesome that's awesome one of my one of my very first sundays leading worship uh at, at the church in the south hills there that we work south hills bible chapel um they, I had to fill in, and I was mediocre guitar player guy at best, and this is a big church with big production, and their worship leader was out, and they said, you're up, like you're on deck, okay. and it was the Sunday that they happened to have Antoine Randall L. scheduled to come, the year that they beat oh, the Seahawks, man. and he threw the touchdown pass in the Super Bowl. There it is. Yeah. Thousands of people showed up that weekend, and I was scared to death. <laughs> It was hilarious. That's awesome. That's so yeah. yeah,
0: I've heard that Antoine Randall is just a great dude. He was
1: awesome. I, he yeah. I can't wait to have the opportunity to meet him. Really neat that. guy. Really neat guy. Um, next question, kind of greatest Geneva College memory, since we, we share that kind of thread. Yeah. Geneva memory, biggest memory you have, best memory you have. Dude, I
0: have. I have so many great memories. I could talk about spring break uh, with Ben and Franco. I could talk about, like... Uh, freshman year, um, going to the NAIA World Series mm. um, with the baseball team. That was that was so much fun. I could I could talk about almost getting kicked out of Geneva. Um, man, we we did some stupid stuff. By uh, we removed every sign in front of every dorm we dug them out did you rotate them? them i heard that yeah,
1: story of, <laughs> Yeah. no so
0: we almost got kicked out for that one but dude i was thinking about this and, I, and i'll say this is my favorite geneva college moment um it's when erica and i decided our junior year it was like the pre-engagement conversation it was the conversation where she and i were on the porch of the language house which is no longer there anywhere.
1: yeah i know exactly where you
0: talked about Yep, and, and she and I started talking about, okay, do we go to the next level or not? Are we, are we wasting each other's time if we continue the date? If we don't go to the next level? We left that um, porch and I knew in my heart I was going to be asking her dad for her hand in marriage. Um, and so that I think that for me is the greatest Geneva College moment for me, the day that I knew
1: that I was going to ask Erica to marry me. That's incredible. So um, did you guys, did you start dating when you were in college? Dude, we, we
0: met three weeks before college classes started. She was a cheerleader. I had a job as the field house manager because I was there for uh, working football camp. Um, so I got to meet her in front of all the cheerleaders. <laughs> <laughs> Because my sister was the captain of the cheerleading squad, okay. so she introduced me to all the cheerleaders. And when I saw Erica, I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I want to get to know her. So we dated literally all four years of school. We were married two weeks after college graduation.
1: So this is getting creepy. Like my wife and I started dating in high school, my junior year, her senior year. She went to Geneva. We had a very similar conversation in the back of the, at the engineering building. Of okay. like, are we committed exactly. to this? We were married two weeks after I graduate. Like, no joke. This is wow. this is hilarious. So it. that's awesome. Uh, Kent, what's the best place you've ever traveled to? Favorite place to to get away to?
0: Dude, I so I've been to some really great places on like mission trips. You know, we've been to Haiti, to um, El Salvador, where Erica's brother is a uh, full time missionary there. Um, and uh, I would say so incredible with that. Erica and I took a vacation. Uh, we've never done this before or since. Um, for our anniversary, we went on a cruise, mm. and I cruised. We cruised um, to San Juan, Puerto Rico, and that, for me, was probably the coolest place I have ever been to. Uh, man, I just the the whole idea of those blue cobblestone streets that are there, um, the incredible forts that are a, a part of that. And then dude, they have this one gate that was like the original gate into old San Juan.
1: Hmm.
0: And, and on, on the top, over, over top of it, I, I, it's all in Spanish. Um, it says this the, welcome those who come in the name of God. Hmm. And I was like, there's so much history in this place. And we only had a certain amount of time to like travel um, or, or to explore it because then we had to get back on the, the cruise ship. Um, but I've always said to Erica, like, I would love to go back to San Juan and just spend like several days
1: there exploring.
0: Um, it was a great
1: place. That's awesome. My wife and I travel as much as we can. I We get alerts on flights. I just saw a flight to San Juan round trip out of Newark today for $83. It was unbelievable. And you had like a year to book it. it did you say eight? Eighty-three dollars. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, uh, I, I
1: need to get on that. Yeah. Send me that link. <laughs> last last couple questions. Kent, best best movie of all time. Favorite movie of all time. Uh, I'm
0: gonna so, I'll go Gladiator. Okay. All right. Russell Crowe, man. Awesome. You know, you know the the whole Maximus. And, yep. You know. Yep. I I love that. Are you not entertained? <laughs> um, I love that. And then I would say like my favorite sports movie is Remember the Titans.
1: Yes. Well, awesome. Kenzel
0: Washington, man. What an incredible story. Um, and, and just, man, I, because I love football.
1: That's cool. That's cool. And then finally, uh, any, any girl dad tips? Anything you'd say, oh, we got to know this. The girl dad's got to hear this. Uh,
0: dude, so you, um, I, I thought probably early on I could just parent each kid. Like, this is my style of parenting. So I've I've learned um, each of my daughters is extremely unique, hmm. and I have to study them. Um, like not just um, you know know about girls, if you will, but like each of my girls is so unique, and I have to work at studying them to try to um, to date them. I don't I don't do a perfect job at that, but like to date them and what they would. Um, how they would experience love and you know just getting on their level i mean it's it's the ministry philosophy of getting on to you know to a person's turf what they're interested in and all of that but when you when it's your own kid it takes a whole nother like layer of effort Um, and so i would say man study each of your girls um and and then shift accordingly <laughs> um and and I'm not into a lot of the things that they're into um but i will i will try to dig in and um and then i think as a as a girl dad man we have to not take ourselves so seriously yeah. to show them like the light side of of dude um you know and i i love being a dad of all daughters man uh, my uncle who has three daughters when um, we had our third ainsley um, he said to me, he goes, you must be extremely special in God's eyes because only, only real men can handle having three
1: daughters. <laughs> That's um, awesome. So,
0: yeah, so you must be extremely blessed my friend, <laughs> to have four daughters. I
1: love it. I wouldn't trade a thing. I wouldn't trade a thing. Kent, thank you so much. This was so good. I, I appreciate it. Thank you for that.